0: It's great to have you joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you in August of 2023 from Atlanta in the Muscogee Creek Territory in the Piedmont region in the foothills of the Appalachia Mountain Range. Today we're going to be talking about restoring rights to the wild bison of North America to live and migrate in and outside of Yellowstone National Park. Our guests are Mike Meese and da- Dallas Gajell. They're from an advocacy group, the Buffalo Field Campaign, who have been supporting the Yellowstone wild bison for decades and stopping their slaughter. Let me tell you a bit about them. The Buffalo Field Campaign is the only group working both in the field and in the policy arenas to stop the harassment and slaughter of America's last wild buffalo. Formalized as a nonprofit in 1997, they also protect the natural habitat of wild free-roaming bison and other native wildlife, and stand with First Nations to honor the sacredness of wild buffalo. The primary goal of the Buffalo Field Campaign is to create permanent year-round protection for bison and the ecosystem they depend on, including respect for the migratory needs of this long-exploited and clearly endangered species. Their website is full of info and action items at buffalofieldcampaign.org. One of our guests, Mike Meese, is co-founder of the Buffalo Field Campaign and serves as their campaign coordinator, training hundreds of volunteers in buffalo protection over the decades. He's also award-winning videographer of wildlife documentaries, even working as an undercover filmmaker for Native Forest Network, Bear Watch, and Greenpeace. Our other guest, David Gajell, serves on the board of directors from Buffalo Field Campaign. In his hometown, on the Fort Peck Reservation in Montana, He's worked as an environmental scientist for his tribal government and was chief of the local volunteer fire department. For over 30 (laughs) years, Dallas has worked closely with elected officials on issues involving education, indigenous concerns, climate justice, human rights, and environmental protection and conservation. He's worked for the Idaho Department of Environmental Quality and conservation NGOs. Welcome Dallas and Mike. Thanks
1: for having us. (laughs) Hi.
0: Now what got you guys interested in helping the wild bison so many years ago and making it such a big part of your life?
1: Well, the catalyst of um us starting this was I I I was grew up an army brat and I picked Montana as my home and I went to the University of Montana and um helped start a nonprofit in 1990 called Cold Mountain, Cold Rivers. We did environmental and human rights documentaries um, and also got into guerrilla media, sneaking into places. And throughout that process in the um, mid nineties, we started to hear that right in our state, there was this bison slaughter that was going on and you know a little context of of the importance of the yellowstone herd we all know there used to be 30 to 60 million buffalo that roamed continent north america Um, the conquerors killed them down to about what they believe was 23 animals left Um, we're in an area that is now known as pelican valley um, they sent the U.S. cavalry to stand guard for a year and a half, making sure this last herd did not get eliminated by poachers. And then we formed the first National Park, Yellowstone National Park, to give the, the bison, um, in the parallel of the Native Americans, their reservation on Yellowstone National Park. Um, so now that everyone brags that there's great restoration of the bison because there's over 600,000 in the United States. But what people don't understand is all but about 10,000 of those animals are beefalo. They're mixed with the cattle bovine gene and um, raised like cattle. Um, and physically, you can't tell the difference. But the uniqueness of the Yellowstone herd is, is what I refer to as ancient knowledge, They know how to be buffalo. They migrate. They do all the things the buffalo used to do. But of course, Yellowstone is not ideal habitat. It's high elevation plateau that traditionally gets some of the deepest snowfall in the lower 48 states. And so they have to migrate out of Yellowstone Park in the severe winters to reach food to be able to survive. And that's when the problem begins. Um, The fight is over a disease that the cattle gave to all of our wildlife out here in Yellowstone um, called brucellosis. And um, the, the disease really has never been transferred by the buffalo other than a Texas AM laboratory experiment. Um, and in a while, that's never happened. The elk do and have redundantly transmitted the disease, but the prejudice solely lies on the buffalo. And it's because the Montana Department of Livestock is in charge of this issue. And That Since they call the shots draw, the management plan, I mean, these guys not only have no education in wildlife management, wildlife biology, they also have the ultimate conflict of interest, yet they're put in charge. So we fight for the rights um, of the buffalo to be a wildlife recognized as a wildlife species, able to leave the park and be treated like we treat all other wildlife. But as long as the... um, livestock industry are calling all the shots and making all the rules. we, we are stuck in this redundant box. And of course, I would never be so arrogant as a white man to have started this group without having leadership um, from, uh, the honor of mine was Rosalie Little Thunder, a traditional Lakota elder I started this with. And so we've always had native guidance, native involvement to create the change because as Rosalie always told me, I. I come from a nation that calls itself Tatanka Oyate, and the closest that translates to your language is Buffalo Nation, and these animals that I love so much are not animals to her and her people, they're her relatives, and that's how sacred they are.
0: Wow, and, and Dallas, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your interest in, in bison?
2: Well, I've known about the Buffalo Field Campaign since uh, its inception as well. Um, From a distance and was uh, interested. I knew some volunteers from Boise, Idaho, which is where I'm at. And at the time, I think I was working for uh, another environmental NGO. So I've been aware of it and uh, followed it right along. In the last few years, Um, I would say beginning four or five years ago, six years ago, uh, my mother happened to be on a tribal elder. I come from the Fort Peck, Assiniboine and Sioux Reservation of northeastern Montana. And my mother uh, served as one of the elders on uh, the elders program, a guidance program which was highly involved in the local restoration of buffalo on my reservation at Fort Peck. Great. So I got even more keenly interested, um, knowing that she uh, was is an advisor for restoring buffalo on my reservation, which uh, oddly enough it was one of the main pastures is in the McDonald Breaks. And that was named after my great grandfather, James mm-hmm. McDonald. And so that's where his he homesteaded. And that's where the herd was, was roaming around, along the Poplar River on the Fort Peck Reservation. And so shortly after that, I, I became even more interested and um, decided to become a board member and have kind of been uh, rolled up my sleeves and have, have taken um, some roles in working to get some things done for bison. So that's how I that's how I originally got started from years ago to today where I'm, you know, I'm knee deep in it now.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I want to say I'm so overdue on having the Buffalo Field campaign on my radio show, as I remember reading your newsletter as far back as the 1990s when I lived in Florida. And I remember writing letters to officials to stop the bison slaughter. And I've received your newsletter ever since and every time I read it I get all fired up about stopping the cattle industry and the government officials from continuing to unfairly persecute the wild bison. Can you tell us some of the Buffalo Field Campaign's achievements in protecting the rights of wild bison?
1: Yeah I mean it's been a slow hard road but um, there have been a few achievements throughout the years without a doubt. Um, Probably the biggest one um, we had a governor that actually cared about the bison, and some of the central herd, which is the original herd of buffalo, they migrate every year out to this national forest area known as Horse Butte, and he granted year-round habitat out there for the animals. Um, and, of course, there's certain amount of numbers they can't exceed, etc., but it's a breakthrough, and finally letting them to come out onto their calving grounds at least. Um,
0: Is that the, your um, current governor or a past? Governor?
1: No, unfortunately, that was our current governor. I I think he's more into killing wolves and oh, and no. destroying our wildlife versus to being an advocate for them. Um, and then he also. The Department of Livestock used to be able to implement what they referred to as eminent domain, and they could trespass on any individual's property and just remove the bison from there and haze them back into the park. Um he made an order that unless there was an imminent threat that means cows are in direct contact with bison that that could no longer take place. And so numerous I mean hundreds of residents both in Gardner and in um, West Yellowstone have our signs up that say this is a buffalo safe zone, no hunting or trespassing allowed. And so that helps out um in November of. 2014, we filed for an endangered species listing um, to try and get them federal protections. Um, Ironically, the, the bureaucratic process that you have to go through to achieve such goals takes a minimum of eight to 10 years for it to go through. I mean, Like here an endangered you have an animal.
0: has that amount of time.
1: <laughs> right. So we're in the, the final stages of that and things are coming around. Um, we've been doing some great work with the Department of Transportation talking about um, and and working on implementing some um, safe passage corridors, whether they're Bridges or tunnels going across highways that are in major, oh, and this yeah. and so you know it's it's inching its way and and I think our biggest achievement that we can't take claim for, but we have helped and assisted. Um, actually, our executive director was a heavy. Um, participant in making sure that Native Americans' um, treaty rights were recognized in the region. And um, I'm sure Dallas can actually go into this a bit better than I can, but, um, and that's what we're trying to do, is, is empower the people who have the longest history, who have love, respect, and reverence for these sacred species And, and, you know, it's like we call ourselves environmentalists and, you know, to them, that's kind of a big joke because they've never not been environmentalists. They lived their way in harmony until we came over and disrupted everything. So, you know, that, that's, that's what I believe down the road is going to be the catalyst to force change because, The Department of Livestock receives a a minimum of $5,000 federal dollars every year to implement this program to basically kill any buffalo that dares to migrate outside of the park. And so that kind of money is never going to make them want to change. And so between our endangered species listing the enactment of treaty rights and recognition of them is starting to work in the buffalo's advantage so that we can start to look at this as a long-term solution and get 20 to 50 to a million to buffalo back out on the landscape treat them like the the gift they are and one thing that people don't talk about it often enough is um The buffalo have the potential to really help us through this global warming crisis because they re-heal the earth. They don't stay in overgraze area, they're constantly migrating. And in that process, they eat the grasses and spill the seeds. Their hoofs are shaped as such that they're, they're tilled. And so they, when they walk, they, they retill the soil. And then, of course, the magic fertilizer coming out the back end, and you have a perfect regeneration process. And so if we let the buffalo back on the landscape, they could bring the land to the carbon filter element that they all used to be. And that would help us in the big picture in that that arena as well.
0: Oh, I'm glad you you added that the climate aspect in. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman talking with wildlife advocates Mike Meese and Dallas Gajell from the Buffalo Field Campaign. Their website is buffalofieldcampaign.org and it has petitions and action items on there and lots of great photos and videos. Dallas, can you tell us about the role the local Native Americans or First Nation tribes are playing in the bison protection, as as Mike mentioned, and how their voices and leadership could be further incorporated?
2: Yeah, so a couple of things that come to mind is that Buffalo Field Campaign, as Mike has already stated, started out with uh, tribal leadership, tribal vision, uh, indigenous culture was involved, You know the spiritual connection that we have to bison. It's our Aboriginal food source. This is our this is our relative, our four legged relative that we've made time and memorial agreements with um, to to take care of one another. They've given the ultimate sacrifice to take care of the native people uh, by giving up their bodies. It's our job to then be reciprocal in that and to take care of them Um, and in the the dominant culture the host culture the colonial mind is uh it's not conducive to living in harmony with nature the colonial mind is an extraction mindset it's Mm a it's a, a take mindset these are resources and for a long time there was the idea that these resources were were never going to be depleted and of course it's very clear in recent years that this is not true. So I believe that um, going back to that idea of uh, humility, reciprocity, the idea that the two leggeds um, have relatives that have four legs and wings and roots and fins and 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 uh, are part of nature and that the two-leggeds are also part of nature as opposed to separate from it so that's that's a paradigm shift um you'll yeah. in colonial terms you'll hear it called coexistence which I think is a really great thing to be promoting yeah so that's that's the biggest bonus I guess of this traditional ecological knowledge it's one a lifestyle a way of life so our our original lifeways are coming back. Our buffalo lifeways are coming back, and we need the buffalo to be able to do that. The second piece of it is that not only is it is it a context that Native people are coming from um, that we need to change, and it, it would be a paradigm shift for the colonial mind. So there's a couple of things we can visibly see where that's taking place. One, Secretary... Of Interior Deb Holland um, did an order earlier this year, order 34 3410, which set aside $25 million to take a look at the possibility of tribal co-stewardship, tribal co-management um, with federal agencies of wild bison, of the yes. particularly the wild bison herd in Yellowstone. So to that end, um, Buffalo Field Campaign. Having started from native roots is going back to native roots in in a big way. We have uh, three tribal members from three different tribes on the board. Our executive director is, um, or at least two on the board. Our executive director is is Nez Perce. Nez Pierce, and we're interested in protections for the for the bison in any way possible. Whether that's ESA protections, we've got a couple of things going on that we could potentially have protections for bison under the National Bison Legacy Act, um, add protections to that act that might look like, since bison is the national mammal and and, um, National Bison Day is on November 4th every year, or the the first Saturday of every November, adding protections to the National Bison Legacy Act um, would be a great cause there's also move another congressional act um, moving afoot that would protect other keystone species, bison, grizzly bears, and wolves nice. um, outside of the inv- the inv- the ESA provisions. The Endangered Species
0: so act. act. Yeah.
2: What's that? Yeah, the Endangered, <laughs> Endangered Species Act, and yeah. so those are all um, some really good, clear messages um, that says we recognize that traditional ecological knowledge is important. It's important in in leadership. It's important in restoration of the bison, the buffalo, and uh, moving forward. So one of the things we're doing as Buffalo Field Campaign is we're hosting uh, on November 4th Tribal Buffalo Summit. And so we're hoping to come out of the Buffalo Summit with some rough framework for what tribal co-stewardship might look like with the Park Service or the Forest Service the wild Bison should be roaming around on all 10 million acres that that are in and surround the park and that is what we're trying to do it's the only species that's managed as um, livestock only mm-hmm. wild species that's managed as livestock they should have the same rights as deer and elk to wander in and out of the park and Go back into their traditional migratory ranges
0: well i had no idea they were managed as livestock you know unlike how you would manage a wolf or a bear that that's pretty unfair to view them like as walking meat
1: well i think that the other thing is they're the only animal that are not allowed to leave yellowstone national park without meeting a bullet or a capture facility so it's It's that severe of prejudice held against this species.
0: Right. Well, we're going to need to wrap up, but Dallas and Mike, for listeners who are interested in helping to support wild bison's rights, what are some things they can do to help?
1: Well, first off, the one you missed of all, from November till the end of May, All you have to do is buy a plane ticket, get a bus ticket, and fly on up here to Montana, and we'll feed, clothes, and house you, and you can go out on the field and be part of our patrols and be a part of this. Um, I know Montana sounds many volunteers. Yeah, Um, yeah, we need them. We've over the years, we've had 6,500 volunteers come work in the field with us. So, from every state in the United States, countries as far as Israel, Australia, all over Europe. And that's how we make a difference. And that also is the pride of my life, is that these people that come here they learn how to be activists, they learn how to create change, and they go home and they start their own organizations and be create, create change in their backyard. So it's a great way to learn and how to make change and um, be a part of something. But our website always sign up for our weekly updates. We always have activities going on. There's petitions on there to to help us with the, the safe passage to Wildlife sign up over for, passes, f- over for
0: stuff. our
1: ESA yeah. endangered species listing. There's a petition for that. Then, like you said, on our website, there's a plethora of ways you can help. And of course the last one, stuck in this weird world of capitalism we have to operate on donations as well so we never say no to those either
0: and i'm sure dallas has buffalofieldcampaign.org is the website yes ma'am okay um and i just want to say on a personal note my own decades of eating a vegan diet as part of my boycott of animal exploitation and persecution both for domesticated and wild animals as cattle ranchers have tended to be the cause of so much wildlife killing and restriction of rights for wildlife like bison for decades. So that's also just a part of what I try to do from here
1: and well, we do not support <laughs> factory farms any meat we eat is locally harvested and done in a sacred good way and so because we work with natives and and that's their native diet we keep it that way but we do not support any factory farms or you know we we stay away from supporting the cattle industry 100%
0: <laughs> understood now, that's the end of our show, but I want to thank you, Dallas Gajel and Mike Meese, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. Thanks for the work you and your team of volunteers at the Buffalo Field Campaign do to help non-human animal societies like bison be able to migrate and live their full lives free from human harm and persecution. Take care.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com forward slash In Tune to Nature. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board staff or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species, like bison. Thank you for listening. Cheers.